Welcome in the Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here talking about power forward options for the Knicks. They've got a hole in the roster left by Obi Toppin to potentially fill with a backup power forward. But today, you know, last show I talked about some some guys that were a little more on the tail end of their careers. Today, I'm, I'm going to talk about some guys that are a little more in their prime that would maybe take a little bit more of a swing for the Knicks to go after. I'm talking about P.J. Washington, Christian Wood, and Derek Jones Jr. next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you check this out on your favorite podcast platform or take it inside sounds on YouTube, I appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you want to keep the conversation going with us, we're on a thing called Subtext now, which you can check out in the episode description. Uh, you can talk to Gavin and I pretty much whenever you want to using Subtext. So check that out. See if that's something that interests you. Uh, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm Aaron Chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I'm talking about some more power forwards today. If you haven't already, be sure to check out yesterday's show where I broke down uh, Rudy Gay and uh, Jermichael Green, one of my favorites I've been talking about for weeks, uh, and Markeith Morris and Blake Griffin as potential options for the Knicks if they want to go the kind of older veteran route. But if they want to go the slightly more exciting younger guy route, and, and you know, I don't know how likely this is, but I think it's something that they should entertain for you know reasons I'm going to get into in just a moment. But one guy that definitely stands out because things are getting a little, little dramatic with him and the Hornets is PJ Washington. So uh, first note with PJ, he's definitely not going to come cheap. Um, seems like he's trying to make Isaiah Stewart money, which is around $16 million per season. So it would take a, I mean, I'm not going to call that a sizable chunk of money from the Knicks to make it happen, but that's like about what Mitchell Robinson makes a little less than that. Uh, so that's like a, a decent amount for the position, you know, for the backup four that he would be playing. And again, I'll, I'll get into why I think that might be a worthy gamble in just a second. But let me first just say, like, if they want to make this happen, you might be saying like, oh, well, the Knicks don't have any cap space. So how would they do that? They already used it all in DiVincenzo. True. However, uh, they have Evan Fournier still sitting there. And there's been talk about potentially um, using Fournier in some form of a trade whether it's a star trade to try to you know match salaries or whatever, that's probably what the Knicks will end up doing is holding on to him. But if they realize like, ah, you know what, that big trade's not going to happen this offseason and B's not going anywhere, you know, until next summer or something, uh, you know, or whomever else they they happen to be interested in, then you might look at it and say, well, better to use that money for someone than no one, as far as Evan Fournier is concerned. And so if that's the case, they could just be like, hey, we'll give you what you want, P.J. Washington. You get like a three-year deal or we'll give you like $16 million a season 
and that Evan Fournier salary would work perfectly. And then you could you could sign and trade PJ to the Knicks, send Fournier to the Hornets, where I would assume they would probably just buy him out at that point, and maybe send them like a couple second round picks for their trouble and call it a day, and maybe like use up your like five million cash or whatever you're allowed to use uh, to make that deal happen to you know lighten the load on the small market team a little bit as far as paying off that player. I I don't know. I kind of like this idea. I think it could work, and you know you might. I was talking to some people in in the Strickland Discord about this the other day, and I was saying I would love to get PJ Washington. And people were like, "Well, where is he going to play? You know, the the nine man rotation is kind of already set. Like, what do you do to get him minutes?" And I was like, "You know, I think you could pretty easily if you said, hey, let's let's try to keep Randall around like thirty five minutes a game this year, and then also be willing to cut down on Mitch and Hartenstein's minutes a bit." I think you could easily find 20 to 25 minutes a game, hopefully more like 25 for PJ with the potential of like getting him up to like into the thirties um, if he plays really well. But I think that, I think that you would just have to have an honest conversation if you're Leon Rose with him and be like, Hey, you know, money seems important to you right now. So like, we'll definitely get you paid the way you want to get paid. This is going to be not necessarily a difficult situation for you to crack into, but it's going to be a situation where like, you're going to have to prove that you can play the five for Tibbs to get, the kind of minutes that you want to get here. So like, you're going to have to show off that room protection that you've shown in your career and all that stuff. And, and sort of prove that you can, you can hack it as a five a little bit uh, to, you know, sort of back up Julius, but then also play some minutes with him. But they could also, the front office could also sort of make a mandate to Tibbs too and say, Hey, you know, sooner than later, we got to start introducing a five outlook to this offense. That's just the point blank period. That is, that's what has to happen. I firmly believe that I don't think that the Knicks are going to be able to reach the highest highs that they want to reach of potentially becoming a championship team. If they continue only having one real identity on offense and I can understand having your, your main identity, but you have to be able to do other things. Like you have to be able to occasionally throw a lineup out there that can go five out for you and, you know, just give you shooting at every single position on the floor to spread the floor a bit and give your guys room to operate, give a Jalen Brunson room to just get inside and wreak havoc or Julius Randle to do the same. And PJ Washington could definitely, definitely do that. Um, he's played about 50, 50 power forward versus center minutes, the two seasons prior to this past one. Uh, and he was a net plus four on off each of those two years. So on a, that stands out to me because it, the Hornets have not been a team that's been particularly good in recent years. Um, so that's, that's significant. I mean, that first year was Lamelo's rookie year. I think they sort of semi threatened, like they were gonna like maybe challenge for the the play in or something that year at first, but then that just kind of faded away over time, and and people realized now it's that's not gonna happen. Um, but then the last couple of years is not they've not been a particularly great team, and so he still posted a a positive on off. He's also a legitimate shooter. He shoots thirty seven percent on about five attempts per game. Uh, for his career from three, which is really good volume and really good percentage for a big. Like that's like, uh, honestly, that's sort of like Porzingis or something, you know, like that's that's better than Randall. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, Randall takes, I think, more than that and shoots a lesser percentage or uh, it, like by like 2% or so. Uh, so that's pretty significant, you know, to have a guy that can shoot that well out of that four spot, especially if he plays some small ball five minutes. Uh, but that's the other thing. He also offers some room protection. He averages a block a game for his career and per NBA stats. And Tibbs would need to see this one for sure. 
Uh, opponents shot 4% worse at the rim this year when P.J. was defending. And as much as he had sort of a a slightly down season on the overall this past year uh, compared to some of the other years of his career, at least as far as like his his like on off and, you know, some of his like net impact type stuff. Uh, he got significantly better at defending at the rim this year. And he was playing a higher percentage of his minutes at power forward. So maybe that plays into it a slight bit, but he had previously in his career defending opponents at the rim been like, they shot like 1% better his rookie season. And then the last two seasons prior to this past season, they shot 1% worse at the rim or like one to one and a half percent worse. But then this past year, again, he got to where opponents are now shooting 4% worse at the rim this past season. So that's promising. You know, it seems like he's, he's not necessarily the most flashy defender, but he can at least keep guys in front of him and, you know, make these, uh, you know, plays at the rim to keep guys from scoring, which is all you can ask in a, in a Tibbs defense, especially that is like all he wants out of his five man. So I think you'd really have to like, you'd have to really give this guy consistent minutes and a consistent role. You can't, you can't pull the Obi top in with him. You can't, or, or you can't treat this like you would if you sign some of the guys I mentioned in the last show, like just journeymen, good older players. Like this is a, this is a prime young player. Like in the prime of his career, he's ready to go. He is ready to, you know, kind of make his mark on the league and make some more money and, you know, whatever else. And so you're going to have to make sure that you give him a role. I think it could happen though. And I, I think if the Knicks did this move, it could potentially be like, game changing for them. It might mean some less time for Isaiah Hartenstein, especially, but I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing because he would give you such a different look and also give you a really good player. Like if there is an injury at, you know, to Mitch or which is, you know, something you have to kind of count on every year, or if there's an injury to Julius again, you know, you, you know that you have a guy that can step in and reasonably play minutes at either the four or the five spot and give you good minutes and good rim protection and all that good stuff that Tibbs loves and decent enough rebounding. So I'm, I'm all about it. I would totally be into the idea of bringing on PJ as long as you have an honest conversation with him about what his role is going to be and that he's not going to be a starter here, but he'll get paid how he wants and we'll get a chance to play for a winning team with something to play for. Uh, so I'm going to talk about a guy who's sort of similar statistically in just a second, although I'm maybe not quite as, as high on him for whatever reason. Although I'll, I'll talk through it in my notes, but I sort of like, as I was writing down my notes for this one, I sort of like talk myself into this guy more and more as I went. Um, but first I do have to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. If you just bet 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. On an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're a Mets fan like me, maybe go bet, bet on uh, Francisco Alvarez to hit a home run. I think that's that feels like a good bet. I just I got to go to the game the other day where he hit two of them. That was pretty cool. So maybe he'll keep that going. He's he's looking like he's going to break a bunch of rookie records. So keep an eye out there. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. 
All right, and I'm back in to continue talking about free agent targets for the Knicks here. And now I'm going to talk about Christian Wood. And I don't know, when I first started writing this, like writing out my notes for this, I was like, man, it's kind of just like his rep now is just that he's like the empty stats, dude. You know, like that he's like, he's just out there just like collecting his numbers, but like how much is he really making his team better? You know, like what is he really offering? This, that, the other. And I sort of came around the more I was looking at his stats and everything. And I, I mean, Dallas was just such a disaster this past year that I think he got scapegoated a little bit, but we've seen now twice that that's happened where, you know, a good shooting big man that is a little more of a four ish, but, you know, needs to play some five there would play almost all of his time to five for Dallas this past season you know, gets there and then it kind of gets scapegoated a little bit. We saw it happen in Porzingis as well, where he got like run out of town and then did pretty freaking well with Washington and then just secured a, a lucrative new deal with Boston to, you know, be a pretty integral piece of what they're hoping to do. They literally traded a former defensive player of the year for him and Marcus Smart. So maybe what is more of a case of that than actually being the guy worth blaming from Dallas this past year. But um, on paper, he's, he's a really good volume three point threat. He shoots 38% for his career on three and a half attempts uh, per game. So not quite the volume that PJ Washington had from the last segment, but similar, I mean, 37% or sorry, 38% for him, you know, those high thirties numbers. That's what you love to see out of a big, like, it's not like a guard where you, you kind of need them to shoot like 40% if they're going to be considered like an elite shooter. When it's a big like that, you're just trying to draw other bigs out of the paint. And so you, you got to just keep guys honest enough, you know, that that you can clear the lane for like a Jalen Brunson or, you know, an RJ Barrett or a, a Julius Randle. And I think that Wood could potentially fit the bill there. He even rebounds kind of well. He, he averaged almost 10 per game twice in his career, over 10 a game once, but almost twice in his career. Uh, he has been a negative on off the last two years with the Mavs and the Rockets. And it looked, I think, a decent amount worse. If I'm, I didn't write the exact number down, but it looked a decent amount worse this past year on the Mavs. Uh, but again, I'm, I don't know. I'm starting to question how much to blame certain guys when they play for the Mavs. It just seems like kind of a cursed place for big men. Um, but he, he had one really good season with the Rockets and one with Detroit that showed that he could be really impactful. Uh, in Detroit especially, and I mean, this maybe comes by virtue of being the only good player on a really bad team, but he made them 11 points better when he was on the court in the 2019-20 to 20 season. That's like pretty significant, and that's, that's what earned him that big contract um, to get out of there and and move to Houston, and then obviously he wound up going to, to Dallas instead um, this past season. So, I mean, it, he's he's shown in the past that he can be impactful and do a little bit of everything and, and do it pretty well for you. Um, I don't know. Like like I said, I was uh, he offers a good amount of rim protection too, and like I'm sort of talking myself back into him a little bit. I was really high on potentially getting him that 2019 to 20, uh, you know, offseason, um, or the, the 2020 offseason, I guess I should say, because I like a guy that can shoot the ball, can protect the rim a bit, and can sort of drift between the four and the five. Um, and would definitely seems like he can do that. So I don't know. It, it, the other thing that was sort of was worrying me before I looked into it a little more was what's the market like for this guy? Like, is he, you know, uh, are teams looking to pay him a decent amount of money? But 
obviously with where we were at in free agency, there's not a ton of teams still with money to spend. And it seems like the two teams that are front runners are the Bulls with a their like $10 million disabled player exception they just got for Lonzo Ball. And like the Lakers, who just have the minimum available for him at this point. So if he's willing to sign for like the minimum or even that biannual exception that the Knicks have available to them, which is like $4.2 million. I mean, especially considered like a PJ or compared to like a PJ Washington, who's looking for like $16 million. Like if you can get a guy like wood for like $4 million, maybe not a bad idea. Maybe a guy that can give you that stretch five for some minutes, but you still, you know, at least with the Knicks, you're not, you wouldn't be relying on him quite as much as like Dallas was this past year, for example, and not, you know, not relying on him to be this like corner stone of what you're doing as a team, more just kind of letting him go out there and, you know, put together good minutes, protect the rim a little bit, you know, potentially play some small ball five and hit three pointers. Maybe things could be pretty good with him. So I don't know. I guess we'll see if, if he's a potential option for the Knicks, but Speaking of other potential options, Derek Jones Jr. came to mind as well for me. A really athletic, bouncy dude, plays really good defense. So I'm going to talk about him in my next segment here. All right, and I'm back in. Let's talk my final guy for this show, and it is Derek Jones Jr. Uh, and he's, I don't know, I, I don't when I was looking at him, I was like, this is a name that I never would have thought of. And then I started looking at stats and thinking about what his fit might be. And I'm like, maybe there's maybe there's something intriguing with Derek Jones Jr. He's certainly not the most flashy addition. Like you look at his his stats, he's you know a single digit point per game guy. He's you know just kind of like one of those general like utility player, like 20 minutes per game, single digit stats across the board, you know, decent efficiency uh on his overall field goal shooting, but not the greatest three point shooting, which is a little worrisome to me. But you know, he, he makes a pretty big impact thanks to his defense and you know, his bounciness is super, super bouncy player. Um, and he's been, so as far as on-off is concerned, he's been a plus 3.3 and then a plus 7.5. Uh, that means the Bulls are 7.5%, or sorry, 7.5 points better uh, per 100 possessions with him on the floor this past year, which is pretty significant for a team that definitely had its struggles. Uh, the Bulls were were not the greatest this year. And so Derek Jones Jr. went out there and like actively made this pretty bad team a lot better. Uh, so that's that's pretty solid. He's also played over the course of his career. He's played four different positions. So he's played everywhere from shooting guard to to center. There's even 1% of some years where they had him listed as the point guard, but I don't really trust that. But he's a guy that's shown that he can like guard and play multiple positions. Granted, that said, I don't think I would want to try him out there as, you know, as really the, the center or the shooting guard maybe not even the small forward thanks to the the lack of shooting. Uh, so I think I'd pretty much want to have him live as the power forward nominally, but you know, a guy that's shown some versatility. Uh, he also is a really low usage guy. So he's usually around like 50% usage, which is 15% usage, which is not high at all. So that, that, you know, means basically he could stay out of the way. He could just play his role on offense. He's not going to demand the ball, you know, really at all. It's mostly going to be doing cutting and that's it. But, it's that's mostly the part that worries me a little bit. He's a career 30% shooter from deep and he only takes 1.5 attempts per game. So like I mentioned, I believe in the last show that like Michael green, for example, doesn't take a ton of threes per game. 
and yet he just consistently makes them, uh, you know, at, at like a 37% clip. Uh, whereas Derek Jones Jr. consistently does not take a ton and consistently does not make a ton. So I, I don't really think that's coming around at this point in his career. So you're pretty much banking on him being out there for like defense and like slashing on offense. And slashing is good, but I I don't know that in a lineup, especially after what we saw in the playoffs, like if you have a lineup with quickly Hart and I'm trying to think, DiVincenzo, Jones, and Isaiah Hardenstein, if you would run you know, a, a full five-man ban- bench unit, which hopefully Tibbs would do a lot less of. But just assuming that Tibbs would do that for a couple minutes a game, that means potentially your only two real shooters out there are Quickly and DiVincenzo. And then you've got Josh Hart at the three, who can't really shoot that well. You've got Derek Jones at the four, who really can't shoot, and Hartenstein, who definitely can't shoot either. Uh, I think that makes things a little difficult. So that, that worries me a little bit. But he does shoot over 50% from the field otherwise. So, like, that's pretty good. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess he's I, he's super athletic, and and so it'd be sort of Obi Toppin esque in that way, except for minus the occasionally very reliable three point shooting. Um, but he's also a stock machine. He uh, sorry steals plus blocks for those that are not familiar with what that is. But he gets two point five stocks per thirty six for his career. That's that's a really solid number. That means that I mean he's averaging per thirty six minutes played. He gets like you know, like one and a quarter steals, one and a quarter blocks. And those are impact plays. Those are plays that could potentially shift the tide of a game, get you out in transition, that sort of thing. So um, I think that I, I can sort of talk myself into it, though. I, I think ultimately I would give up some of the defense and the bounciness for better three-point shooting out of that backup four spot. But maybe that's just me. Uh, so as far as all the guys in – that I just mentioned and ranking likelihood and fit uh, PJ Washington. I think probably a pretty low likelihood. I love the fit. I, I doubt the Knicks want to fill Fournier's salary slot with him though, versus holding out for a bigger trade, you know, including Fournier in some sort of star deal or something, some deal that's going to get them better assets necessarily. Um, that said, as far as fit, I, I really do think it's a potential for an a, if the Knicks would use him properly. Like maybe an A plus. Like if he could come in and he could finally be the guy that makes Tibbs go small, that would be incredible. Um, and I didn't even talk about trade candidates, but like you know, there's like Brandon Clark, for example, is a guy that I've always liked too. That I've always felt you could throw on a Tibbs team and be like, this guy could potentially you know make Tibbs play small because he can actually defend the rim some and actually rebound the way that he would want. But he also could sort of stretch the floor a little bit, uh, although not nearly as well as P.J. Washington does. I think P.J. Washington is a totally different class player. Um, so I just think money-wise, it'll, it would make things pretty unlikely. Uh, Christian Wood, I, I'm putting the likelihood at like medium low. Um, you know, if it was a steak, solid, medium, rare. You know, I just I don't I don't necessarily see that happening. It, if he's cool with taking the veterans minimum, it seems like he's more interested in the Lakers and. I mean, I don't blame him. That's a team that really loaded up this offseason that made a deep playoff run last year as well. You get the allure of playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, There's a lot to like about that potential scenario. Um, but the Knicks could offer him slightly more money and and not put him on a team like the Bulls that where things are not necessarily as written in stone that they're going to be good this year. So, you know, maybe he takes the BAE or something like that. That would be pretty cool. 
uh, as far as fit with him, I I think I talked myself in like a B plus. Like I don't think he is just an empty stats guy necessarily. Like he's just got to be used right, and he's got to be on the right team. So I, I'll give him a solid B plus if it would all work out. If it didn't, then you know it could be like C. But that's the case for anybody. And then Derek Jones Jr. I think likelihood probably like a medium. Uh, I guess it depends on how much he wants to get paid. Like he's sort of in his prime at this point, so I don't know if he and he's he's made close to ten million dollars a couple seasons in his career. So I don't know if he's going to be like, oh, cool, let me just take a veterans minimum to play with the Knicks. But if he does, I mean, I could see the Knicks going for him. He does sort of fit the bill, especially as, the, as far as the defense and you know ability to kind of you know be versatile in that in that regard. I could see them going for him, though. The Knicks do seem to be prioritizing shooting a little more lately, so maybe that would kind of scare them away in the end. Uh, as far as fit, I'll give him like a C-plus out of the box. I just think it's those shooting concerns worry me a, a little too much. So I think that would be what would ultimately hold me back. But I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Like if you're on YouTube checking this out, let me know in the comments You know how you feel about potentially going after Derek Jones if that's if he's – not going to be able to shoot three well enough or how you feel about potentially making a bigger splash for PJ Washington or Christian Wood and maybe trying to force Tibbs's hand about going small a little bit. So uh, let me know what you think in the comments, but till next time, thank you guys all for listening. And uh, Gavin will be back with some shows. I'm going on a little vacation at the time that you're listening to this. I'm probably already on vacation. So probably be Gavin solo a couple times uh, to start next week. And then we'll reconvene again and have some great episodes for you guys. So keep your ears out for that. But until next time, Thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.